We now take you into a service already in progress where Pastor Ashish exhorts the congregation and leads them in making the declaration. And right after this is a life-changing message for you. Uh, if you have your Bibles, could you turn with me please to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23 as we get ready to make a declaration and then we will do that. Uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. Uh, Hebrews chapter 10 verse 23 says this, Let us hold fast the confession of our faith or our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Hold fast the confession of our faith without wavering, because he who promised is faithful. The word confession, it's homology in the Greek, which simply means to say the same thing. Say the same thing. Hold on to your confession, to what you're saying. The saying the same thing. The confession of your faith. Because the one who promised is faithful. So implied there is the fact that you have to... The confession of our faith is in line with the promise that God has made. Hold on to the confession of your faith, which is aligned to His promise. Because the one who made the promise is faithful. Amen? So even in times when, you know, you feel like this promise is not going to work, it's not going to happen in, in my life, the Bible says, hold on to the confession of your faith without wavering. That means no up and down. You know, yes, no, yesterday, no tomorrow. Not like that. Hold tightly to your confession of faith, which is an alignment with this promise. You're saying the same thing. So when it comes to God's provision for your life, you're saying the same thing what He promised. My God shall supply all my needs. When it comes to healing for your body, you say the same thing. By His stripes, I've been healed. When it comes to your home, you say the same thing. What He promised, the house of the righteous will stand. He blesses the house of the righteous. When it comes to the work of your hands, you say the same thing that He promised. All the works of my hands are blessed. Whatever I do, prosperous. Amen? Hold on to it. Because He is faithful who promised. Hold on to what you're saying, to the confession of your faith. So let's stand up this morning as we make the confession of our faith in, al in alignment with what He has promised. I want you to hold your Bible high up in the air. Say this out loud with me. This is God's Word. This is God speaking to me. I am who God says I am. I can do what God says I can do. I will become everything God has promised. I am saved, healed, delivered, redeemed. I am blessed, victorious, prosperous, triumphant. I am a minister of God, a servant of Christ, and a channel of His blessing to many people. I receive His word. I believe His word. And I live by His word. Christ is my master. And to Him, I am an absolute surrender in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. We started talking about the, the grace of God last Sunday. God's amazing grace. And uh, this morning I just want to continue talking about uh, God's amazing grace and just focus on another aspect of His grace. I really want us to focus on the fact, on the fact this morning that our God is the God of all grace. He's the God of all grace. There is no limit to His grace. 
He doesn't say, you know, I have only this much of grace. And uh, if it works for you, well and good. If it doesn't, sorry, find somebody else. You know. He's the God of all grace. Exodus 34, chapter, the 6th verse, a verse that we saw last Sunday. Exodus chapter 34, verse 6. It says, The Lord passed before Moses and proclaimed, The Lord God, the Lord, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth. Merciful and gracious. God's mercy and God's grace flowed together. God is merciful and gracious. And He abounds in this. He abounds in mercy and grace. 1 Peter 5.10, again a verse we saw last Sunday, says, May the God of all grace, may the God of all grace, He is the God of all grace. There is no limit, no lack to His grace. God's grace is unlimited. And I want us to understand that, or get a grip on the fact that God is the God of all grace. There is no limit to His grace. And you and I, many times we look at our own lives, and in one way or another we think that we're not qualified, or we think that God really cannot do something for me in this area of my life. For example, it just could be, you know, shameful memories of the past. Have you made choices, uh, decisions? That today we regret. And uh, you understand the fact that Jesus died for my sins. And, and, and I'm not saying we don't understand that. And we understand the fact that the blood of Jesus Christ has forgiven those wrong things that we have done. But yet, somehow, we've not come to the place where the grace of God has worked in our life to that extent... Where we, are either, where we are able to forgive ourselves and go beyond the haunt of those shameful memories. Can you understand what I'm saying? Or sometimes it could be what others have done to us. People have hurt us, they've said things to us, have wronged us in some way. And... Uh, we may have distanced ourselves from that situation, that problem, we've come out of it, we've, you know, we're moving on with life, so to speak. And yet, we're carrying something in us that has not been dealt with. I mean, when it comes to saying, you know, are you saved? You say, yes, I'm saved. Do you believe in the blood of Jesus washing away your sins? Yes, I believe in all that. I've put this, uh, put this whole experience behind me. But yet inside of us, maybe there are hurts that are limiting us, holding us back. Maybe there is unforgiveness to those who have wronged us. And that, that's an area where the grace of God has not yet touched. But this morning, as we look at the, at the God of all grace, I, wanna, I want us to come into that place where we receive His grace to enter in even to those areas of our lives, deal with those areas of our lives. And then sometimes we look at others and we think, man, that guy, that girl is just beyond the grace of God. I mean, like, we look at somebody and we say, you know, there's no way God can do anything in that person's life. We tend to think like that. And, and you know, sometimes we just say it, we verbalize it, or we 
do or make decisions like that. Where you think like, you know, that person just beyond the grace of God. I mean, nothing can change that person's life. But I want to remind you and me, there's a God of all grace. That no person, no human being is beyond this God who is merciful and gracious. There's no person beyond that. And that should give us hope to believe that even though in the natural, that person may seem beyond the reach of the grace of God, but yet in our hearts, and we must believe. Because we believe in the God of all grace, we must believe in the best for that person, saying, you know, in the natural, it seems like that person is beyond the grace of God, but I know and I believe in the God of all grace. We want to look at two people's lives, probably three this morning. The first one is, I'd just like to watch the video first, and then I will talk a little bit about his life. And then we look at another person's life, talk a little bit about him as well. If you can have the first video and, and just, just watch, uh, just look at this little snippet and then we continue after that. You know, if you and I were to look at a man named Saul and just think in our minds, if he was a person whom God's grace would have reached, it's very likely that you and I would have said, absolutely no. Now, he was a man whom he, Paul, Paul or Saul, Saul later called Paul. He describes himself as somebody who was a blasphemer, a persecutor, a totally intolerant man. He was totally intolerant to those who had faith in Christ. He was responsible for the stoning of Stephen. And he was on his way to apprehend every possible person that he could find who believed in this new found faith. In Jesus of Nazareth. If you and I would say, you know, if you, you and I were asked, do you think the grace of God could do anything in the life of this man, Saul? You and I would say, probably not. And yet, Jesus encountered him in a way that Saul could not refuse. He encountered him in a way that totally changed his life. A man who was a murderer, a persecutor, a blasphemer. The grace of God totally transformed him and changed him into somebody whom we could probably say was the most significant Christian who ever lived on this earth. Two-thirds of the New Testament was written through this man and almost everything that we know about the grace of God came through the hands of the writings of Paul the Apostle. He probably is the one who just wrote to us about the grace of God. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 12 through 16, Paul has this to say. He says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has enabled me because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent man, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. In verse 14, verse 14 he says this, and the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant. The grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant. He's saying, look, I've experienced this exceeding abundant grace of God in my life. I, who was a persecutor, I, who was a blasphemer, I, who was an intolerant man, I've experienced this abundant grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want us to understand the transforming power of the grace of God. That none of us are beyond 
the, imp- the reach of God's grace. And none of us can say, you know, God's grace cannot touch me. And so also for other people. None of us can say, you know, God can never touch that person. No. The grace of God can reach every person. The other, person's, the other life story that I wanted to share with you. You know, Paul called himself the chief of sinners. And God totally transformed his life. And made him the most significant contributor to the Christian faith. The other person I want, uh, life story, I just want to introduce for a little video and then share a little bit about his life. John Newton was born in England to a father who was involved in trading slaves. And he lived an extremely reckless life, the early part, the early part of his youth. In fact, he, was, uh, he tried to be part of the, the army at that, at that time. He really didn't succeed. He ran away. They captured him, brought him back, and made him a slave on a ship that was trading slaves. Later on, he became the captain of a ship and was just trafficking people from the African continent on to other destinations, selling them for money as slaves. On one such journey, as he was taking probably about 180 African men, having separated them from their children and wives and homes and families and taking them out on, a, on their journey to be sold, he found himself in the middle of a storm. And here was this young man who, who had no inclination towards God, who had no desire for God. In the middle of a storm, he just prayed and said, Lord, have mercy on me. God, have mercy on me. That was his cry. And something happened from that moment which totally transformed the life of this man, John Newton. He eventually ended up learning Hebrew, Greek, and Latin studied the scriptures thoroughly and became, he took the, the pastoring responsibility of a large church in England and then and later on he, he spent the rest of his life preaching the word of God. And this man was the one who wrote that hymn that you and I sing so much. Amazing grace, so sweet the sound. If anyone would have wondered or even thought that God would have touched the life touched his life and transformed it. We would, none of us would say, you know, that was ever possible. A man was totally against God, who had no interest in God. And yet God used him to leave a mark on history that continues till this day. What I want us to understand is the riches of God's grace and mercy. One more scripture that I want us to look at this morning, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 through 9. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 through 9. It says that God who was rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come, he might show or demonstrate the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you've been saved through faith and not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. God, verse 4 says, God is rich in mercy. And then verse 6 tells us, or verse 7 tells us, that there is the exceeding riches of His grace. God, rich in mercy, exceedingly rich in grace. Rich in mercy, rich in grace. God's mercy, as we said in the beginning, God's mercy and God's grace flow together. Mercy withholds the judgment we deserve. Grace gives us what we do not deserve. A great illustration of this 
is the story of the prodigal son that Jesus spoke of in Luke 15. This young man took away his share of the inheritance, went away, spent it all, ruined his life, and then one day decides to come back to his father. And we see mercy and grace flowing together. Jesus illustrating to us what God does for us. He says, as this young man came back to his father, his father went, welcomed him, just forgave everything, forgot his past, just received him. He didn't say, you know, now you've got to work and help me earn back everything you spent. He didn't do any of that. He didn't place any judgment on that young man. It was total mercy. He received him. But then there was lavish grace. He said, put upon him the best robe. Give him the ring on, put the ring on his finger. Kill the fatted calf. Let's celebrate. That's grace. Mercy forgives. Grace gives us what we do not deserve. Amen. And our God is a God who is full of mercy, full of grace. Rich in mercy, rich in grace. Mercy forgives the prodigal's wanderings. Grace gives him a royal robe, a golden ring, and a lavish celebration that restores him to sonship. That's the mercy and the grace of God. This morning, I want us to look at the God of all grace and then come to Him to receive and experience His grace. The Bible challenges us, you know, in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16, the Bible says, let us come boldly to the throne of grace. It can make us what nobody imagined that we would ever become in life. It can take a man like Paul, make him one of the most significant Christians who ever lived. It can take a man like John Newton and, and empower him to write many hymns. And, and many of those hymns are affecting the Christian faith till this day. The grace of God has the power to transform your life and my life and make us, give us significance or make us people of significance, have impact, influence, which others would never have imagined we could ever have. In our lifetime. That's a transforming power of God's grace. It can heal us in the deepest regions of our inner wounds. As we said in the beginning, maybe there are things we're ashamed of. Things we've done, which memories we're not able to forgive ourselves. Of which we're not able to give up or release. The transforming power of grace can reach there into those depths. And release us from those shameful memories. It can work in our lives, giving us the power, empowering us to forgive others who have wronged us, who hurt us. It can transform us on the inside, giving us the ability to do that. His grace can bring us to a place of unlimited love, both toward God and towards people. I want us to get into a time of prayer. I want us to focus on this grace, on the mercy and the grace of God this morning, and receive that for ourselves. His mercy forgives. Are there things in your life that you say, you know, I need the mercy of God in this area. I've done stuff that I'm just totally ashamed of. This morning, the Bible says, let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we may find grace and mercy. So I want us to go boldly to the throne of grace and say, Lord, I need your mercy on my life in this area. I've done stuff that I'm totally ashamed of. But maybe we've gone past that. We have received the forgiveness of God. But we've not come into this place of grace where we said, God, what about those memories? What about this feeling of unworthiness that I'm still carrying? What about this guilt? What about this condemnation that I feel still? I know I'm forgiven, but I haven't allowed the grace of God to deal with those things in my life. 
And what about this unforgiveness that I feel towards those who have wronged me, who have hurt me? This morning, I want you to come and say, God, I want the grace to be able to forgive others. Or maybe there are people in your family, your loved ones, your son, your daughter, your family members, whom till now you've said, you know, maybe I just have to give up. The grace of God will not reach them. But this morning, I want you to come boldly to the throne of grace on their behalf. Maybe they're like a Saul. Maybe they're like a John Newton. But this morning, you can go to the throne of grace and say, Lord, I want mercy and grace to be extended to my Saul. I want mercy and grace to be extended to my John Newton. Whoever it is, I want mercy and grace, that person. We trust that this message was a blessing to you. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at contact at apcwo.org. Also, visit our website www.apcwo.org for additional resources. Thank you for listening and God bless you.